The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And on this rainy, chilly day before the National Real Estate Investing Summit, we have a uh, special interview that uh, is along the lines of our X-Factor X Factor Investors interviews. Been doing those all year long with folks who have achieved the um, place, the acme, that lots of investors get into the business to uh, to try and get for themselves. And we don't we don't talk so much about strategy. We don't talk so much about how do you rent a property, how do you rehab a property as we do about just general like what was it that got them where they are today. My guest today is Robert Mohan, familiar to frequent listeners as the guy who took over my show when I was out of town about uh, 2 months ago. And uh, also a real-life investor from the Nashville, Tennessee area who's been in real estate for about 15 years. He's the very first X-Factor guest we have ever had who still has a full-time job and yet qualified in terms of being being that guy who's where you want to be to be interviewed in an X-Factor show. So um, interesting story behind that that we'll be talking about over the course of the next hour. Also, if you suddenly have a question for Robert, you can call in at 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. Or send it to askvina at gmail.com. Good afternoon, Robert. Good afternoon. Sorry the weather couldn't be better for you. It's moisturizing. <laughs> Liquid sunshine. <laughs> Come Perfect. Out here for the for the conference. Um, so let's just let's just uh, sort of start by filling in folks on on something that I'm not sure you have ever really said, even though you've been on the show now two or three times over the last four or five years. And that is what what is it you do, and what has kind of the story behind that been? Real With estate, real price. estate, yes, and 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 again, you 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 rare for this kind of interview. <laughs> do still have I think the same job that you had when you started in real estate, right? Yes, I started with lease options. I had met a 
great, wonderful educator named Wendy, and she had come to our town and was talking about the lease option strategy, and it just resonated with me. The things I liked about it were the hands-off elements to it, the fact that property management of a lease option property was not as intensive as maybe the legends and the stories have been about people calling in the middle of the night. These were different. I could relate to that. I could understand that. And lo and behold, people would give you a substantial amount down to move into your property. It worked just like she said. So I did that. That was my initial strategy. And then at a conference, I met a guy named Don. Don was older, a lot older, had done a lot of real estate over the years. And Don asked me a question I'd never thought of. Why are you selling any of them? And I said, well, it makes some money, you know, some kind of answer, obvious answer like that. And he said, do you need the money? And I had not thought about that. And I said, well, no, I've got, you know, this day job thing going on. He said, well, why don't you just keep them forever and let each one of them pay you a little bit of rent every month and you get enough of them, then it's enough income that, hey, that could replace your main thing. And I said, you know, I never thought about that. And I went away and thought about that, talked with the people that were close to me and they said, sure, why not? We see nothing wrong with that. And so I went from the lease option strategy to the buy and hold strategy because of that conversation with Don some years ago. And I'll have to say it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the next question that I normally ask folks is what you did before you got into the owning rentals business. Uh, but the reality is you still do that today. So tell, tell us a little about that and especially tell us what, in what ways this, this thing that you do has helped you be a successful real estate investor. The answer to that is sales. I've done different sales jobs over the years. The, the current thing I've done has been many years, but I would say being in a sales role has helped me with so many areas. The obvious would be, of course, prospecting, getting to the yes, getting through objections, all those things that you have to deal with, even if you're choosing a contractor, trying to find a vendor to do some work for you. You've got to be persistent. And I think that's the skill that has helped me and continues to help me is persistence. And as I was thinking about this today, what kinds of persistence? Well, the obvious is make that next call, keep following up, keep following up. But I think for me, I tend to be persistent with my research and my learning. Why am I here after 15 years to sit through a conference for a few days? That's because I think there's some things here I still need to learn. And I am here to learn them. I'm not exactly sure what I'll learn, but I know some people I'm very interested in hearing from, and I'll probably learn some things in the hall, just talking and networking with other people of like mind. So my persistence over the years, I think has been my number one skill that has helped me in many areas of my life, not only in day job world, but also with real estate investing. And uh, we already have a question from a listener at askvina at gmail.com. This is from Patrick in Toledo. He says, specifically, what kinds of rentals does Robert like to buy and hold? I think he means like apartments, single family homes. Single family homes, four sides, roof, single family. You could do that with a duplex too, if you're buying and holding. But the truth is, is apartments are just more single family dwellings under one roof. And that has some advantages. But the nice thing about single family homes is everyone understands them. 
Everyone either grew up in one, lived in one, or lives in one now, and you can pretty well always liquidate one of those. Unlike some of the other asset classes, like you mentioned apartments, there's only a certain number of people that are able to buy those sort of things. But a single-family house, lots of people understand that. It was a low, uh, least common denominator mm-hmm. property type in my book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so back to the job question. The the anyone who's in any strategy in real estate is to some extent running a business separate from whatever else they are doing so what did you have to relearn after years and years and years of of you know kind of being in corporate america in order to be successful in real estate that's a great question two things i had to learn a different speed and a different type of persistence Real estate does not necessarily run at the same speed as, in my case, what I was used to before. And even now, I have to mentally sort of check out of one thing and then check into the real estate mindset. They run each of the things at a different speed and a different type of persistence. Now, for me, I work with a lot of folks that uh, people would call bird dogs or wholesalers, and they would bring me deals. So... I'm not necessarily calling everyone over and over again saying, hey, you want to sell? Hey, you want to sell? Hey, you want to sell? Like they might do, but I work with them. And my job with persistence is to stay ready to buy and stay in touch with them. That is a different speed than my day-to-day work. So different speed, different persistence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real, Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to X-Factor investor Robert Mohan about the things that allowed him to build a big old cash-flowing rental property portfolio while at the same time having a full-time job. If you have questions for Robert, you can call us at 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, real estate investors of Nashville, past president, successful rental property owner, and full-time job haver, Robert Mohan, who is uh, answering some questions about how, how all this came about and what some of the secrets to his success have been, because uh, Robert, honestly... A lot of people, well, I mean, you, you've you've worked with Cincinnati Rhea's kind of sister group down in Nashville for many years now. Quite a few. And you have seen many, many people walk through the door with the goal of, I want to have so many rental properties paid off that I don't have to have a job. And you've seen a lot of them walk out that door a year later, having never, never so much as bought a single property. I mean, that's just sort of um, common for uh, the the real estate investing industry because, I don't know, sometimes once they figure out what has to be done to do that, they don't want to do it. Work, four-letter word. <laughs> sometimes their life gets in the way. Sometimes, sometimes family um, pressures get in the way. Like, you know, wife isn't comfortable with husband signing his name, a bunch of mortgages. 
that sort of thing. And children yeah, with school activities. Children with school activities. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. There's there's any any number of reasons that people don't do it. But what we try and narrow in on on these X Factor investor interviews is how people do them. So, um, Robert, I should mention, by the way, that the reason you happen to be in Cincinnati is not to do a one-hour radio show. <laughs> you did not drive. You did not drive five hours from Nashville to be on the show. Uh, you're attending the National Real Estate Summit tomorrow, and you mentioned before the break that you were here primarily because there were still some things you wanted to learn. I'm curious, from your perspective as a guy who's really only interested in buy and hold, you know, you're not especially thrilled by the idea of flipping properties and what that takes, what are you most looking forward to about the conference? Like, what topics are, still interest you after 15 years? To be frank, I've got something at every time block I want to hear, but there are two definitely I would call out for me based on that question. First is Alan Cowgill on raising private money. In our world, we deal in real estate. It takes money to acquire those assets or control them. It never hurts to know as much as you can about money. Mike mentioned a little bit ago about the Federal Reserve making a change today. That's going to always happen. It'll go up, it'll go down. Things are going to change constantly, but it all relates to money. Money makes the world go round. So anything I can do to learn more about that and become better educated about how it works whether it's raising it, whether it's working with people, helping them feel comfortable with real estate deals. I can't wait to hear what Alan's got to say. And along that line is Donna Bauer on her topic of notes. Notes involve some math and an HB10 calculator, or HB10B, whatever it is. I can't even remember <laughs> what it is because I don't know how to use it. It's math. It is seemingly a little complicated, even though loaning money, doing notes, buying notes, selling notes, that's intriguing. It's also money, and I don't have to deal with tenants and toilets. You can now deal with the payments that surround that sort of thing without getting dirty. Mm -hmm. There's no pest control involved <laughs> in notes, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And Donna, of course, is a local girl. She only lives really? about, yep, she only lives about uh, five miles from where we are sitting right now. So uh, watched her watched her grow up from a little bitty baby note buyer to the note buyer registered trademark <laughs> that she is today. So going back to kind of your philosophies, your activities, your actions, what do you think the most important habit that you've developed in terms of what you've been able to do in real estate has been? Write stuff down, use checklists. You mentioned a while ago about new people and they come and they go. I think they have ideas, they talk, but they don't write things down. And when I think when you write things down, you give it a little more power. And ideally, it is a relatable goal that will really motivate you to do something. My advice to a new person, whether they're experienced in real estate or not, but if they're new in our community and they're willing to listen, and I think they're willing to listen, I will tell them, write down a goal or two or three, even better, Try to be as specific as you can, and then plan to revisit that in 30 days. Make changes. Go another month. Make changes. Go another month. Because the goals that I had initially, I talked about lease options and now into buy and hold. My goals have changed over the years. Most people that I see that come and go, I'm pretty sure don't have a relatable goal that they really understand in language that is meaningful and motivational to them. 
I think there are obvious goals people say, oh, I want to make more money. Or vague goals like, I want financial freedom. What does that really mean? They really need specific measurable goals, such as, I'd like to earn $10,000 a month after taxes from rental property so I can quit my job, or, or whatever that happens to be. And again, that's just an example, but it's very specific. I want to know how much, what time period, and I happen to mention after taxes, and then from the source too. But that could be specific, measurable, and meaningful, and that would motivate me to get out of bed in the morning when I really just want to roll over and see what's on the television. Hmm. So so it's it's interesting as a as a person who in my own real estate business is much more oriented toward a lot of quick in quick out deals and the people who have to be involved to do that. When you said write stuff down, my mind immediately went to systems, procedures, checklists, and you actually meant just what's the goal. You actually just meant write down what, why am I doing this? It can be, and it can be as simple as what are the three things I really need to get accomplished today? Writing things down gives them power. And even if it's as simple as here's my list to go to the grocery store, think about how many times we've gone into the store, whatever, Target, Kroger, it doesn't matter, any store, and you go in there and don't have a written list, you're just going to buy whatever jumps into your cart. Now, I've learned for me, I don't go in with a cart. Once I fill up whatever I can carry in my arms, I know it's probably <laughs> time to go or put something back. It's my little strategy for not overspending in these stores where the stuff will jump in your cart. I have a plan. I have a goal. I don't often write stuff down at the store, but I know I can only carry so much. But in life, use that same principle. With real estate, what are the three things I need to do today to move things forward? What are the three things I need to do this next month to move things forward? Writing things down really helps me focus and I think helps a lot of other people focus too. And we forget that sometimes. What habit would you like to develop but you haven't developed it yet? Two, relax and exercise. Those are just good things to have, right? <laughs> to be able to relax, let down, and then do more exercise. I think we can all use more exercise. That's those are those are good goals for everyone. That's super generic, I know. So they could well they can they can they can now write that down at the top of their list of. They can if that, that they... is motivational to them. Is that uh, does that fill a want, fill a need, a desire, meet a dream, or fill a void? You know, who knows? You know, when I talk about goal setting, which you know we're coming up on that time of year when I find myself at Bria groups talking about goal setting a lot. I always, I always tell people, you know, what your number one thing needs to be is take care of your health. Because if you don't, if you don't have the energy to get up every day and do what you need to do to make these other goals happen, if you don't have, if you don't have the health to enjoy it, what's the, what's the point? And I always feel like I'm shaking my finger at them. I always feel like I'm saying, Bye. I think I've heard you say, put down the spoon. <laughs> I never forgot that. That was a very good word picture for me. Down the spoon. So, again, I know I keep going back to this, but I'm, I'm, I'm super personally. I'm super fascinated both by the fact that you have managed to build up the portfolio you have and keep a job at the same time, and also that anybody would want to keep a job. You know, that's like foreign to most most people getting into the real estate investing business like 65 percent if you pull pull a room at a rea group or a seminar and say how many of you are here because you want to quit your job 
majority absolutely want to quit their job. So I know I keep I keep coming back to this thing about you having a job while you're doing this. But the 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 fact that you have managed to keep both in the air plus you're married, you have a kid that just went off to college. I mean, it's, it's not like your life has not been full of other things as well. Running, you know, helping to run real estate investors of Nashville. I think most people looking at you would say that you must be like super disciplined. And I'm wondering if you think you're super disciplined. Absolutely. Now, I would confess there are some areas where I'm not super disciplined. We talked about the relaxation, the exercise, <laughs> food, whatever. But yes, I would say I'm very disciplined. And I've learned from some others who have gone before me, some folks I've listened to that I think have good advice. And they will say, one I can think of says, the less I do, the more I make. And the real message is, is should I be spending my time on this particular issue right now? I know it's important to someone else that I do X, but is it really the highest and best use of my time right now? I went through a life on air session once, and that just messed me up. In fact, I'm a little stubborn. I had to go through it twice. And the second time <laughs> I really got it. And I'm now very critical about where do I spend my time? If it's off time, I'm not checking the phone. I'll turn it off. I will only do certain things during the off time. And then on the on time, I'm not goofing around. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it. And I'm following it through. And then if it's activities that I don't need to be involved with, I'm not going to do it. It's someone else can do it. It's their job. And frankly, why should I take their work away from them? How inconsiderate of me. They need to do the work that they're supposed to do. And I need to do the work that I'm supposed to do. Were you born disciplined or did you train yourself to be disciplined? That's a good question. I think if my parents were sitting here now, they would probably say there was definitely an element that I was born disciplined. Hmm. How do I, how do I get that? Is that like, do I have to get like genetic surgery or something to, there's probably a pill for it now. <laughs> I think if you don't have it, you read books on how to learn that skill. I think with many things you can learn that skill. For example, if you've never been married, how do you learn how to be better at being married? We could just do it and try it for a while. You could read books on the subject. Uh, how do you learn to drive? Well, you just do it. And then you say, I'm going to be a better driver. I'm not going to hit everybody else around me. I'm going to not slam on the brakes. Uh, maybe I need to read books, take driver's ed. That's a class on it. If you don't have any kind of skill, how do you learn it? You learn from others. You listen to them. You, you just educate yourself. You emulate people who are disciplined. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a quick break talking today to Robert Mohan, an X-Factor investor, one of those folks who has achieved what everybody gets into the business to achieve, although all of our X-Factor investors have done it in very different ways. Robert's particular way was to develop over the course of 15 years a portfolio of cash-flowing single-family homes. And we're talking about... What what caused that? Not not how did not how did you find single family homes, but rather kind of like what what is your outlook? What is your philosophy? If you have questions for Robert, eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail dot com. That's A S K V like in Victor E N A at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Not jumping out of my skin at all about the fact that I'm leaving here and going to the 
National Real Estate Strategy Summit. That's just, we actually we actually start Wednesday morning. Like when I say we, like the the, the staff, the team starts Wednesday morning with the setup and probably be up until midnight doing that and then start welcoming the 1,020 registrants starting tomorrow morning. If you're thinking, man, I really should have signed up for that, all you can really do at this point is show up at Great Wolf Lodge in the morning. Um, by by Friday afternoon, there will not be any seats left. Like we're, we're cutting off the registration at at a at a thousand grown-ups of that of that thousand and uh, twenty people 60 of them are 15 to 22 year olds that are taking the um, youth academy that's a big number bet you wish you'd had a youth academy when you were growing up I would have loved a youth academy when I was growing up my life would have been a lot different I agree <laughs> if, if somebody had said but, maybe 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 not getting a job's not the be-all and end-all um, we got here through our life experiences so that's what we Yes, we did. Where we are today. Yes, we did. All right. So going to listener questions from askvina at gmail.com. Lois from Little Rock has three questions. You ready? Number one, he says, she says, my question for Robert today is how do you handle the fluctuating market mentally and economically? And I have to assume that she's referencing the fact that we probably in the whole country have seen the top of the market in this cycle in terms of real estate activity. In fact, in Nashville, where you are, there's been a significant slowdown over the course of the last 12 months. Nobody nobody ever says, how do you handle this market when it's going up? They only say that when they think it's going right. to go down. So how do you mentally and economically deal with downturns, Robert? If you're in it for the long haul, you know that everyone has to have a place to live. That's it. Everyone <laughs> has to have a place to live. Why get worked up over things today, things tomorrow? Rent will go up, rent will go down. If you're in the flipping business, your business might dry up. If you're in the private money lending business, your business might dry up. There are so many aspects of real estate. When one door closes, look for the window that's open. But people always need a place to live. Lois's question number two is, has your full-time job allowed you to have more peace of mind about being in the real estate business? Absolutely, because there is a base of income already coming in. It's great. And I've met a lot of people. I know you said you pull the room and most of the room says, I want to quit my job. It's real easy to join the crowd and raise your hand and go, yeah, J-O-B, it stinks, whatever. <laughs> but my question would be, if you hate your job, why did you take it? I mean, wasn't you that applied for that? And didn't you interview? And is it your own sorry fault that you picked that job? Uh, well, now let me play devil's advocate and say most people would say economic necessity. Well, we're at three point super low what unemployment rate. I know people, I know some right now, they're leaving one job and going to something else because they decided, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go try something else. And they hop and move to the next thing. So if you don't like your job, there's 10 more out there. Mm -hmm. It's a thought. I know it's risky, but <laughs> so is buying a house and not knowing if you're going to get it rented. Sometimes you have to take a little bit of calculated risk. Lewis's final question is, would you recommend me keeping my current job and establishing myself in real estate before potentially quitting? I love that idea. There's another business I had some experience with in the past, and that was what they said. Don't quit your job until you had... I think in their case, it was reaching a particular level. 
that was about 300000 per year in income from that side thing. Now, that sounds like a huge number, and it, it even sounded like that back then. But there were fluctuations in that particular business. And so once you hit that level, you know, it would be somewhere over $100,000. And that would really equal or exceed what most people we were encountering at the time had. And then by then, you could feel confident, okay, I'm going to quit the thing I've been doing for X number of years and now do this other thing because I think it's going to be stable enough. So yes, the other reason would be your credit. If you want to borrow money from any kind of institution, it sure is helpful if you've got another source of repayment, and that would be that job. Banks do like that, don't they? I think anyone that loans money wants multiple sources of repayment. Hmm. So I think he's saying, Lois, don't quit your day job just yet. Unless, and this is Vina's opinion, not Robert's opinion, you hate it so much that it's like affecting your health and relationships and then you might want to dust off your resume or CV and put it out there. Indeed.com I think is a current hot one to find a new job on. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) So to speak. All right. So back to your business, Robert, which again is, uh, is, is rentals. And, and I should add, you don't, you're not a mom and pop landlord. I mean, you own a bunch of rentals, but somebody else does a lot of the management and you don't swing hammers and priorities. I'm providing good jobs to good people by employing managers. You should too. (laughs) So in the sense of, of both the, the strategy of rentals and the bigger picture of the business and what it, what it kind of does to you or for you on a day to day basis, what is it that you love about it? And what is it that you hate about it? I love how it pays. It pays well. But the hate parts, I think, are the disappointments. That's one of the things I think I'm learning over the next 12 months is how to deal with those disappointments. People tell you one thing and then they do another. That's disappointing. I'm not saying they're outright lying. Uh, Sometimes people misrepresent things, but maybe they have good intentions and then they disappoint. And I counted on that. I took your word for it. We shook hands on it. You gave me your word. And then next thing you know, something has happened and they've gone radio silent, for example. Uh, people give you bad news sometimes. You know, they're, they're friendly with you business-wise today and then tomorrow you're cast out like the trash or yesterday's, yesterday's mail. Mm-hmm. That hurts. And I've heard, yes, it's not personal, it's business. Well, it still hurts. I think there's a song about that, Let It Go. Maybe I need to learn that song this next 12 months. Maybe you need to sing it right now. Well, I don't really know it, Oh, but I know there's Let It Go, Let It Go, and that's all I know. <laughs> I didn't watch that movie. Uh, our, our, our guest last week volunteered uh, a number of times to, to do a dance, so I think we're going to change the format of this radio show into more of a performance. A dance show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Singing and dancing, sure. Yeah. Very popular. Yep. So... What does your typical day look like? I think a good typical day would be starting the day before, looking at what tomorrow potentially has the required activities. Uh, But then when the morning comes, I take care of whatever is urgent, what has to be done that day, uh, fires, if you will, what fires need to be put out. And then usually that's settled by mid-morning. And then what are the projects I'm working on? How can I push that process forward? 
what do I need to do today on that? Or is it something that's now no longer important and I can push it off to next week because it has low or no priority? Maybe that changed. Uh, then if there's a, a meeting to be had with someone, of course, you can do that around lunch. I'm always eating. You might as well. I don't mean I'm always eating, but I'm eating lunch every day. I might as well eat with someone. Spoon down, Robert. Put the spoon down. <laughs> but if I'm going to meet with somebody, why not do it over a meal? Because a meal is a nice way to control the time. I know it's going to be 90 minutes. You really can't stay longer in a restaurant than 90 minutes because the servers want you out of there because they're leaving. They want you to cash out. They need to turn the table. And so a restaurant's a good place to be efficient, get two things done at once, and use your time efficiently. And then be careful who you make those appointments with. You want to make sure that are you using your time efficiently. My daughter heard that from me a lot. Are you using your time efficiently? <laughs> and I ask myself that question a lot. Is what I'm doing now really the best use, the most efficient use of my time in light of my goals that I have written down? And sometimes the answer is no, I'm not using my time efficiently. Okay. So, and then there's no evening to your day? or <laughs> Oh, the evening? Oh, that's where some of the heavy thinking gets done. I've learned over the last year to think bigger and deeper and by not getting so wrapped up on other things by committing those to paper and then setting them aside, I declutter my brain. Writing things down and making that written list of sorts gets it out of my brain and it's really helped me a lot. It's been a huge load off my mind, literally, in this past year. That's one of my most recent things I've learned. So in the evening I can do thinking, I can work on projects. If there are things where I don't need interruptions and I need to work on something for several hours, typically after dark is when I'm doing that. And I will have to admit, it was probably 1.30 last night. I was still working on something and finished it up, and it was done. And then I slept like a rock because I got all my things done that I wanted to get done for the day. Mm. I'm not saying everyone should stay up till 1.30, but I'm a night owl. I like to do that. Clear clear mental inbox. I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever seen one Clear of those. mental inbox. That's a good way to put it. Hmm. So where do you see this business going, your business personally, going over the next three to five years? Let, let me preface that by saying you and I have had some arguments offline about whether or not you fit the definition of an ender, which is somebody who has enough assets that they don't actually have to work anymore if they don't want to. And you don't seem to be although I believe that you are an ender, you don't seem to be in any way interested in stopping <laughs> in the real estate business, at least not over the short term here. But what about what about three to five years from now? In the near term, I'd say more of the same is what I'm planning. But I like to eat three times a day and my wife and I both have hobbies that cost money. Now, we're not extravagant by any means, but we have certain goals between the two of us where we want to give back to others, whether it is literally writing a check or spending time with people. And even at our local real estate group, there are so many people whose lives have been positively impacted through real estate investing that we need to share the message. We need to continue to share with others, whether it is blessings we've received. I tell people a lot of God is blessed. I just showed up and, and collected because some of it I did, but frankly, not very much considered what was blessed and, and given to us. So with much 
uh, with much that's given to us comes much responsibility. And so we are giving back. So that's why you're seeing that. It's not time for me to end. It's time for me to continue and even increase as we are given those increases. And think about how many lives have been changed this, that the two of us know over time. It's a great thing to be able to show someone a way to improve their life and let them see their goals and even goals they didn't yet even conceive of that they will see in three to five years. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss more with Robert Mohan about uh, his business, some some books and philosophies and whatnot that have helped him along. We're going to take Chrissy's question that came in at askvina at gmail.com, and we'll take your questions too. Either send them to that email address or call 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Robert Mohan, talking about the things that have made him successful and hopefully some things you can pick up and apply to your own real estate investing business. Robert, before we go on with my questions, we have a question here from Chrissy in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And Christy, Chrissy would like to know... How you are dealing with the fact that Nashville has gotten so expensive that it is very, very difficult to buy single-family rental homes at any kind of decent return. How do I deal with that? Mm -hmm. I have been enjoying the increased rents. (laughs) So I'm guessing she must be new and having to carve that out. So that would be my life some years ago when we had the last market run up. This goes on all the time. The market goes up, the market goes down. So my what I would say is my reassurance to her that I paid a lot for property some years ago, and I thought, oh, man, in 2008 when that happened, I thought I was paying this in 2006, and it went down all this amount. But some other seasoned investors said, it's okay. Time will heal all wounds. And sure enough, the market has turned again, and what I overpaid for in 06 and thought I was a little bit nutty in 08, 09, and 10 when it continued to go down, it came back. With a vengeance. With a vengeance. Nashville's Make your best been... decision. Get something you think you want to hold for a while and keep going. Nashville has been one of the hottest markets in the United States, in fact, like over the course of the last 10 years or so, right up there in terms of growth with places that you wouldn't expect, like Seattle. I mean, huge growth in uh, Nashville. The other thing I'd remind you, Chrissy, is that Nashville is not the only place in Tennessee. When you, if you, if you, if you like live in Nashville and you watch the house prices in Nashville, it does seem kind of scary what houses sell for versus what they rent for. But, but there are satellite cities nearby. You drive 25 minutes out of town and Hot all deals. stuff looks like it does in the Midwest. That's right. So don't, you know, just because you live in Nashville doesn't mean you can't. We have six interstates, three, of course, one going this way, one going that way. So that's six directions you can go with a high-speed interstate to, guess what, other cities that have (laughs) mm, rental property and people want to live there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great question. What I would say to her would be similar to my advice to a new person. Get more education. Come to the real estate investor meeting in your area. In our area, it's our group, but wherever you're listening, there are local groups. Those that have an attendance fee, 
what I might call a fee to join or a, uh, a membership fee, that seems to have more accountable, more reliable advice and people there than just some people meeting at a restaurant where there's really no fee to show up. I think it's it's like many other things. If there's a little bit of a barrier to entry, it tends to have higher quality everything, higher quality people, higher quality advice, more accountability. People are going to show up if they've already paid for something and they've invested in it. But I would say plug in. And then when you're there, listen more than you talk. Now, I can tell you I did this. I probably stole that idea from someone else because I'm a good duplicator. And they said, you have two ears for a reason. Listen a lot more than you talk. And I can tell the new people that come around with no experience that talk a lot, they're probably not going to be in around, around in a year because while you're talking, you're not listening. You're not hearing. You're not learning. You've got to listen. Mm-hmm. Going back to your to yourself 15 years ago, is there anything you've wished you'd done differently that would have made this process easier, quicker, better, more profitable? I have no regrets. I think about that question quite a bit, but I would say one thing I could do differently would be to forgive others and forgive myself. It's okay that you didn't get X, Y, Z in the amount of time you thought it's okay that this maybe seemingly bad thing occurred because something good might have come out of that. Let it go. (laughs) What? Uh, and again, this is this is a, a question that it's always more interesting to ask a group leader who probably deals with a thousand different investors a year. I mean, literally between members at your group, I think you have 950 plus members at this point, plus guests, plus speakers, plus people who wander in and say, hey, what is this? You probably hear pieces of bad advice or like bad recommendations that folks get. Is there any one that kind of sticks out in your mind and you say, man, I hear, I hear this all the time and it's just not good advice. Yes. Just go online and learn anywhere you can. Now go online, of course, is generic, but that goes back to that pay to get in sort of mentality. If no one has really paid to get into that particular forum, how accountable, how quality is that advice going to be? Now, is it possible there will be good advice in that online forum? Well, yeah. But is it also very possible that there's going to be bad advice that might get you sued, that might cost you a deal, that might lose you money? And the answer is yes. So one thing I would say is when you're listening to advice from someone, figure out what is their motive. So for instance, if I'm going to buy a car at a car dealer, If the salesman's probably going to make a commission if I buy something, do you think I'm going to get 100% the truth? I'm not saying he's dishonest. I'm just saying he has a motive to sell me a car, in my example, in order to enrich himself. So when someone's giving you advice about, man, this is a great deal, are they the one that's going to profit from it? Or are they completely third-party neutral and just trying to help a friend, trying to help a brother in the community? Figure out where their motive is and decide are you okay with that motive? And if you are, then listen to what they say. Take some notes. And if you're not sure, run it by your trusted advisor, which you should always do before making any kind of investment. What's the biggest new lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? That's a great one. And the answer is that some things are not for me to handle, to solve, 
nor to fix. That's very deep. Some things are not for me to handle, to solve, nor to fix. Sounds like let it go again. Let it go. <laughs> so can that was tough for me to learn. I'll tell you, I, can, that was very hard. Can you can you can you give us an example of something that you would have tried to solve, handle, or fix thirteen months ago that today you do something else? I would say an easy answer to that would be a make ready on a rental property. Make ready means get it ready for rent. I can get over there and do it in eight hours if I just bust a move and get out there and do it myself. Or, no, I can focus on acquiring the next income-producing asset or building a relationship with a lender or, or whatever the next thing is I need to be doing that is the highest and best use of my time and let the person who does make readies earn their money. Yes, it might not be as quick as I want, but I need to let that go and let them do their thing in their time, and that's okay. Unfortunately, we've only got about a minute left, so I'm going to skip to this question because a lot of our listeners are new investors. So I always like to ask you X-Factor guys, if there was one idea that you could just like plant in every new investor's head that would make all the difference for the typical new person, what would that be? Create clear, relatable goals for yourself. Use this definition to create a goal. Do you have a want, a need, a desire, a dream, or a void? If you have a want, need, desire, dream, or void, and your goal can meet that, write it down and then go back in 30 days and revisit that goal. Each day, be thankful for what you've been given. Give to others as it's been given to you or give even more, even if it hasn't yet come to you. Have a good giving attitude and be willing to forgive others and forgive yourself. Great advice. Thank you, Robert, for joining us here today on Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.